Hey, keto freaks, this is Carl. Do you or someone you know have trouble focusing? You know what I'm talking about. You sit down to read something, try to figure out your monthly budget, write that novel you've been putting off, or maybe you just can't seem to do one task at a time. Well, you may not know this, but I'm a musician as well as a software developer. Programming is a job that requires focus, long periods of uninterrupted work. It's hard for them and for you. I've created Music to Code By. This is music, yes, but it's specifically and scientifically designed to promote focus. Studies show that when math students were exposed to Baroque music between 60 and 80 beats per minute, they did better with comprehension and testing. So I created more modern music that is neither boring nor distracting, but falls within that tempo range. It's just the right mix. I also made the pieces 25 minutes long. That correlates to research that shows we all get brain fatigue after 20 or so minutes of hard focus. The result is thousands of happy customers. Now, you don't have to be a programmer to reap the benefits of music to code by. It has been known to soothe restless pets, calm fussy babies, and even help autistic kids relax and fall asleep. Listen to some free samples at musictocodeby.net. to Two Keto Dudes. I'm Carl Franklin in Connecticut in the United States, and in February of this year, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In that time, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. Yeah, hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet for over two years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. And within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. So we're going to share the progress of my journey through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not really afraid of technical detail. So we've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the Mm -hmm. science behind that. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite the research supporting any claims that we make. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to cook and we love to eat. Yeah. So we're going to share some of the great food that we eat on this diet. Every episode, both of us share a recipe for an essential keto meal or just not a non-essential keto meal <laughs> that we eat regularly. Exactly. So let's start podcast number 17. 17? Unbelievable. The Eating Pattern Show. Before we get into it, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, actually, I have one. Um, I mentioned that the number needed to treat the NTT for statins is 141 people. Basically, it means to save one life, you need to treat 141 people. Um, but that number is actually incorrect. The number needed to treat to save one life for somebody who has had heart disease is 83. If you treat 83 people 
who have already had a heart attack, the odds are that you'll save one life. Okay. You basically need to treat 83 people over five years with statin therapy to save one life. Okay. Interestingly enough, uh, the number needed to treat to save one life for somebody who hasn't had prior heart disease is infinity because no lives would be saved no matter how many people without heart disease took statins. Wow, that's a little scary, actually. Yeah, it is. It really isn't it, considering that uh, we had people uh, trying to put statins in the water supply and sell them as condiments at McDonald's. Yeah. We've got links to those number needed to treat data and all of the statistics and science backing up where that data came from. Okay. Well, I also have a piece of errata here. There's a little controversy over how many net carbs are in a slice of Mahler's low-carb bread, Okay, the, the diabetic bread that I mentioned on last week's show. Mm. I mentioned that there's only one net gram of carbs per slice. However, uh, and I got that right off the side of the bread. Um, you know, first of all, there was the panel sure. uh, at Amazon, and I went off of that, and it shows, mm-hmm. yep, there are five, there are six carbs- uh, total, five of them are fiber, and yep. therefore one is net. Mm. However, somebody else wrote in and said, "Hey, my Mahler's diet bread says there's only says there's five grams net carbs." Wow. In other words, the, there was only one gram of fiber. Oh. On that label, so there seems to be some contention. So have they changed their formulation? That I don't know. All I know is the bread that I have at my house that I ordered a couple of weeks ago says there's five grams of fiber in every slice, which makes sense because it's made of flax. Sure. So, uh, I don't know. There's there's some discrepancy there. We'll have to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's just reprise. What is the ketogenic diet? Well, we restrict carbs generally to incidental carbs. Yeah. Um, Some people need to count carbs. I am not one of those people. I get vegetables and nuts and, you know, low-carb bread and stuff like that. You want to keep it under 20 grams a day. Sure. Um, just be aware of the foods that you're eating and how carby they are. For uh, One of the classic foods is onions. Yeah. A small onion can have up to 30 grams of carbs in it, and it's sugar. Yeah. So you got to be careful with onions. But you can use onion powder. There is some carbs in onion powder, too, but just mm. be careful. And I just try to avoid those foods. Yeah. You can you can also use the, uh, the green tips of uh, spring onions as well, which have a lot less carbs in them. Right. So most of the storage bulb... That's you know that's on the surface of the ground is where most of the storage energy is being stored. So, right. The other thing that's interesting is garlic. Garlic has a lot of sugar as well. Yeah, I didn't know that, and I I love garlic. Yeah, so do yeah. I. But see, I cook with it. I use garlic in my cooking and stuff, and I still yeah. lose weight. So, yeah. so you re- just just be careful, and you know, don't go over twenty grams a day. Also, we eat enough protein, just enough protein to maintain muscle mass. Protein. That's right. We did a whole show on protein, and you can go back there. Check out the keto calculator if you really want to know how much you eat. I'm 300-ish pounds, and I need 100 grams of protein a day. Yeah, I'm I'm about 230, 220 pounds, and I eat about 80 grams of protein a day. So that's just a rough, yes. rough idea. Yeah, it's rough, rough yeah. idea. So everything else that we eat uh, is fat, and yeah. it's either fat that's on our plate or fat that's from that Krispy Kreme that we ate a decade ago. <laughs> I've been dining out on that Krispy Kreme for some time. (laughs) Yeah. So this show is going to be really interesting, Richard. Um, And we've been talking a little bit about it just before we started recording. Yeah. We're basically going to talk about eating patterns and what has worked for us and what we have noticed working for the people that contact us. Hmm. 
starting with Atkins and moving all the way towards fasting and everything else. So, but before we get to that. Yes, we've got something else we need to do. <laughs> it's called Mail. 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 So glad my voice is coming back. <laughs> All right, you go first. You have one and I have one. Okay. Actually, I have two. Oh, okay. There is one on, on Facebook. Uh, now, our Facebook group, if you haven't heard, is uh, you can get to it. Uh, you just go to FB for Facebook, uh, dot two keto. That's the number two keto.com. And that will link straight to the Facebook group. And it's a closed yep. group so that there are no spammers, but uh, everybody is welcome. We got 100 new people in that group in one week. This last week. Last week. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. It's, and the really cool thing is that, uh, uh, you know, we're trying to answer as many questions as people give us, but other ketoers who've been ketoing for, some have been ketoing up to three years, yeah. are in there answering questions. So it's becoming really productive. Yep. And here's a good example. We had somebody, Patrick Knowles, asked, at how many weeks did you make the switch to lower your fat intake? How did you know you were ready? Hmm. And we had an interesting response by Vivian May Del Riego. She said, it took me over eight weeks. Suddenly, mood was great, need less sleep, not hungry when fasting. I used to post the question, in inverted commas, how do you know when you're fat adapted? Yeah. I always got the unsatisfactory response that you'll just know when it happens. <laughs> I'm sorry to give you the same unsatisfactory response. It's like asking how do you know when you find the right person for you? You just know, no question about it, and that's pretty much it. You'll you'll know after, you'll know once you once your hunger disappears and 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 you don't have those energy dropouts and uh, yeah. and everything just starts to click and you feel mentally acute the whole time you're awake. It's incredible, Grandma. How will I know when I'm in love? <laughs> it's kind of that question, isn't it? <laughs> Sure is, yeah. So, so that's an awesome response by Vivian. Um, so, so do you have one? Yes, I do. This was an email that we got, uh, dudes at twoketodudes.com from Nick. And Nick said, hey, dudes. Hi, Nick. I've done almost every diet in existence, but as I got into my 30s, everything stopped working. Oh, yeah. Almost everything. I did keto one and a half years ago and was able to go from 425 pounds to 340 pounds. Nice. It's actually really fast the bigger you are. Yeah. I eventually stalled at 340 for weeks and quit keto. And that's that's a pattern. Quitting yeah. is a pattern, right? It is. Yeah. I then spent the next one and a half years trying other diets because I thought keto had quote unquote run its course mm. and that it was yet another diet that may not work for me anymore. Although spending a year yo-yo dieting I was about to maintain a 340 pounds, but it was a lot of work for no results. Four weeks ago, I started again, and the first two weeks were great, as usual, after the keto flu. Yeah. But I was drinking salt water, so my headaches and such were minimal. But two weeks ago, I stalled, and I wanted to quit. Oh, I recognize that pattern. Yeah. I persevered, even though I was being really, really good and not losing weight. Then I found you guys... And I consumed your podcast like I used to consume an Oriental buffet. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I think it's something to do with developers. And he's talking about software developers, yeah. which Richard and I are. Mm. But in because he's one too. But all of my favorite podcasts, I eventually find out the hosts are software developers. <laughs> you guys are so damn bright and you back up your hypothesis with data. And you really have given me the tools and the confidence to continue and push through. I can't thank you enough for the time and effort you put into this. I heard mention of fasting to break through a plateau. And I was like, what the hell? And I did a 60-hour fast earlier this week. And you were spot on. Plateau broken. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> I was pretty adapted. And now fasting is just another tool in my belt that will hopefully someday do two laps around my body. <laughs> Long story short, you guys are inspirational, motivational, damn good podcasters. And if I'm completely honest, you've changed my life. I was about to give up, and you've given me the tools to carry on. Thank you so much, Nick. <laughs> no worries, Nick. Nick. That is awesome. <laughs> what can I say? I feel like I can't take credit because no. I, the body does the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, all of the hard work is being done by the biochemistry. I, I kind of have a problem with people who have a program, you know, like they, they, you know, and they name it, you know, like the, 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 the melt away program, yeah. you know, they give it a name and a brand and they try to brand it and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's just so damn simple. You know, yeah. everybody tries to take credit for it with their name and their whatever. We don't take credit for the keto diet. We're just, no. we're just doing what other people have done. And we're trying to distill uh, everything that people have had success with into a, a tight, concise package. That's yeah, all. I just tell people, when people accuse me of being an expert, I just say, look, we're no experts. We're just, nope. we're just two keto dudes. Uh, we just follow some experts and we fact check them. <laughs> yeah, that we do. That, that we do. So, uh, all right, I, you got another one. I have one more. This is a Facebook one. This is from Kat. And Kat says... Okay, I really ate the most junk food ever last night. Oh, boy. Went to a party. Only going to have one drink. Ha. Huh. Three margaritas later and the chocolate cake was a perfectly grand idea. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the Chinese food and then later the ice cream. Oh, geez. OMG. I <laughs> can't remember the last time I loved food so much. I savoured every bite. I vow to not do it again anytime soon. What shocked me is that I woke up feeling great and my fasting blood sugar was lower than ever before. I've had this experience as well. You had so that I same did. experience. It's, it's spooky. Um, and now I, uh, my fasting blood sugar was, a cat goes on, my fasting blood sugar was lower than ever before. I'm fasting this weekend. I'm going to ride my bike soon. I'm sure my insulin is sky high this AM, this morning. Um, I'm totally not beating myself up. I don't want to damage my body ever. But man, it was so delish, and I feel like I scratched an itch, and now it's gone. And I think once or twice a year can't be too bad. Yeah, and that's awesome. I, I I have the same, I have a similar thing with my bike. I I because I ride my bike so much, I'm depleting my glycogen, so I've got empty stores for glucose. And so when I, it's only happened um, less than a handful of times in the two years that I've been keto. Right. Um, but the most recent was that wedding. Yeah. Uh, where I accidentally ate a pavlova, but I'd just ridden 55 kilometers on my bike the previous day. And so I had empty glycogen, uh, glycogen stores and that glucose went straight in there and nothing needed to spill over into into other forms of uh, glucose use. so um, That's sort of what happened to me the last time I did a Taco Bell binge, right? <laughs> well, that's right, yeah, because you'd, you'd just done like 12 hours of, of singing mightily, lustily. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had just done a gig, 
And something in the back of my brain said, you know what, this would be a great time for Taco Bell. You know, the next morning I hadn't gained any weight or maybe a pound or so, but Mm. steadily over the next two days, like the next day, I was up a couple more pounds. Yeah. Even though I went back right back to my pattern of uh, keto eating one meal a day. But then it just came off again. And, you know, unlike in the past when I would binge on carbs, that would be it. My, you know, the beast would be let out of the closet and it would take me months or weeks of eating crap to get up the courage to, to, to stamp it back down. Yeah. It used to be. But that doesn't happen. No, it used to be one cookie would turn me into the cookie monster and that'd be it. I'd be off. But, um, yeah, yeah, now, now I think, you know, Good on you, Cat. I mean, it's it's important to to admit when you do these kinds of things to yourself. Sure. You don't have to admit it to the rest of the world, and your friends don't have to podcast about it. But it's uh, it's awesome that at least you know you know what to expect now is that your blood sugars drop a little bit, mm. and uh, and then you're going to have a little bit of tough time, maybe three or four days, getting back into ketosis. And yeah. a, bit of, a bit of exercise, you know, depleting through your glycogen stores is going to get get you there quicker. And and for me, a bike a bike ride is the best way to do it. And um, I know Kat's got a great bike, great new uh, yeah. new bike, so that'll that'll do well for her. But what it tells me is that the what we've been doing, whatever it's been, is making us more insulin sensitive. Yeah. Our insulin is actually working, whereas yeah. it wasn't before. Mm. And uh, that's that's really great. So. How are you doing this week, Richard? Yeah, I'm doing well. I, um, as you know, last week I had that. Uh, I did a CAT scan with a contrast, uh, so I have a picture. Yeah. Of, I have a picture of my liver, and it shows. And that the results came through from the pathologist, and they said there's no sign of fatty liver disease. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, that's outstanding. And I went to um, went to my doctor for my doctor to give me those results. And I was told uh, that I had to see a diabetic nurse beforehand. Right. Uh, and I thought this will be an interesting experience. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we had a chat and it turns out that uh, she's actually uh, type 2 insulin dependent, um, not not heavily insulin dependent. Wow. But she's uh, she's been diabetic for longer than I had. And that's the thing. The longer that you are diabetic, the more likelihood that you become insulin dependent. Once that happens, yeah. you basically uh, – have the same uh, outlook as a as a type one diabetic, so uh, right. it's a much more complicated situation to to get your way back from. You do not want your pancreas to die. No, trust absolutely me, absolutely not. You need that. You need that, and you need your liver. So, um, so anyway, we had a great conversation. She taught me how to swear in Hungarian. Awesome. <laughs> and she uh, was fascinated by my story, and she wants to try low carb. She said she's been eating kind of low carb, but when I asked her what she had for lunch, she had. Uh, uh, sweetened yogurt, some salmon, which is awesome, and a pear. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know. What are you doing? And when I said to her, "Why, why are you eating fruit? You know, it's just a bag of sugar water." And she said, "Oh, I need, I need to eat uh, some carbohydrates to cover off the insulin I had to take." Really? And that's about the point my head had just exploded. And I said, "Look, um, you know, if, you, if you're ever interested in in the way that I got to my my H HBA one C to five point two more than happy to, to help you know, to, to chat to you about it. Um, hers, I think, was 6.9. So she's not doing too mm. badly, but still. Not bad. Yeah, but with and insulin. And she's taking insulin? And she, and she has to shoot insulin. So, yeah. Oh. It's, 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 but she's, you know, she's she's able to manage it, you know, below seven. That's okay. That's 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 about where that's about where the standard uh, 
um, uh, that's the standard of care essentially for for, for diabetics. Yeah. Uh, so that was an interesting experience, and um, she did. I did find out something that I I hadn't been doing, and that is I really need to see an optometrist and get the back of my eyes looked at. Right. Because the the retina of the eye is the only place that that uh, human blood vessels are visible. Uh, you can uh, look at a human blood vessel without opening up the body by looking into somebody's eye. So um, so that's really something that I need to get done, so I'm going to do that next week. Uh, and I've also got a cardiac artery calcium score teed up for next Tuesday, or this coming Tuesday. Awesome. So, yeah, that, and that's uh, it's not paid for by Australia's, Australia's socialised medicine, nor is it covered by private insurance, but it's $140 out of pocket expense. And as far as I'm concerned, that's money well spent. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. So how are you going? Well, um, first of all, my weight is down. I've found a eating pattern that lets me lose a steady one pound a day. Awesome. Yeah. I'm at 303 pounds this morning. So that's wow. 63 pounds gone. <laughs> Three pounds to go. Oh, man. <laughs> Three pounds to go before it's party time. I imagine next week we'll be doing a, a party dance. Yeah. Uh, but I convinced my doctor to let me have a lipid profile, an NMR lipid profile, which mm. gives you your LDLP number right. and your LDLC number. Right. Uh, the difference is one is your just your standard LDL count and the other one is your particle count, mm. which gives you a more accurate picture of... Large fluffy pattern A LDL and small dense LDL. And they give you an actual count of the SDL LDL, don't they? The small dense LDL. Yes, they do. Mm. And this was just a lab that was in my town and they're just a third party uh, company. Mm. And it, it only cost a hundred bucks. And I think my insurance covered it because nice. they didn't ask me. To, maybe they will uh, bill me. I'm not sure. But anyway, so m my numbers... I didn't get A1C or glucose, but my total cholesterol is down three points from the last time I did a blood work, okay. which was in April. Mm -hmm. My triglycerides are down about 27 That's awesome. points, mm. and they're still high. However, they're 207. But if you remember, in September of 2015, my triglycerides were 335. Yeah. And in, in April, they went down 100 points to 234. Now they're down another 27 points. My HDL went up to 53 from 37. My LDLC came down from 199 to 186, not a whole lot. And uh, my weight was 305. So, so I'm going in the right direction, but obviously the triglycerides still need to be under 100 in order for me to be healthy. Yeah. Now here's the LDLP number, 2502. Over 2,000 is considered high and dangerous. Yeah. So it's 2,502. Now, you showed me a chart that explains this. Yes. And even though my numbers are going in the right direction, yep. the reason that I have small, dense LDL is because my triglycerides. Yeah. We, we, this, this chart actually comes from Austin et al. It, it was published in Circulation in 1990. And it shows the relationship of uh, triglycerides and LDL particle size. And it shows uh, basically two curves. I'll link the, I'll link the study, of course, um, yep. as we always do. Uh, it shows two curves. And 
one axis is the amount of triglycerides that you have. So as you go across the x-axis, you get more and more triglycerides. Right. And the two curves, one curve goes down and the other goes up. And the one that goes down is your large buoyant LDL, the pattern A, the good stuff, or the benign stuff. Mm. And then the the, uh, the other curve that goes up uh, is the small, dense LDL pattern B. Yeah. And they cross at about 100. So at 100, you start having more of one and, and, and less of the other. Yeah. And it turns out, well, you've got 200, 208, I think. 207, yep. Yeah, 207. So you, according to that chart, you should have mostly pattern B, mostly the small, dense LDL. And that's actually what your results showed. And that's actually what my results show. But it mm. also tells me that my LDLP number was a lot higher. Yeah. Yes. Because my triglycerides were a lot higher. Yeah. Absolutely. And you had triglycerides of like 1,100, right? Over, uh, yeah, 1,111. 1, yeah. Even though I didn't have this NMR test back then, uh, the probability was certainly that I was producing all atherogenic LDL. So the interesting thing, if we if we look at my results for the same thing, my triglycerides are 128. And my, I actually got have one of these NMR tests as well, and they gave, that gave me the nice uh, pretty color chart. Right. And that actually shows that there is some red uh, category three uh, LDL, and that actually makes sense. And it correlates to the chart. Correlates to the chart. So, so, so both of us are on that chart at different places, and both of us know the direction we have to head. Yeah, and my, my direction is good. I'm coming down. So my mm -hmm. doctor looked at this, and she goes, Carl, I really don't know what to think about this. I don't <laughs> understand what small, dense LDL is, and I can't interpret it, but all I can say is that your cholesterol is still high, yeah. although it is going in the right direction. So um, w the way I look at it is, Doc, please be patient, because mm. I have only one half of the condition required for heart disease. Mm. One half of it is small, dense LDL particles. The other half is inflamed and sclerotic arteries. That's right. Now, I yeah. know that my arteries are clear. Yeah. So I'm not in danger, so I think. Yes. No, no, that's... The, I, I believe so as well. It, we, we don't really know. We, we know that there's yeah. association between small, dense LDL and, and, and inflamed arteries that grow plaques. You haven't been growing plaques, at least in your carotid arteries. We can mm -hmm. infer that it's the same with your coronary arteries. We, can, we know the direction that you have to head is to produce less triglycerides. So that's correct. Uh, and, and you are heading in that direction. And it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, I could also infer that my small dense LDL number was higher yeah. when my triglycerides were 335. Yeah. And I would even say they may have even been double what they are now. <laughs> yeah. I was just... So I think, I think I'm going in the right direction and I'm going to yeah. keto on. So there is one interesting thing about your results. The triglycerides divided by HDL is considered to be a very, an accurate marker of insulin resistance. And basically, mm. I suspect the reason that it's become uh, – doctors aren't particularly good at math. And so they worked out that as HDL goes up, your chance of cardiovascular disease goes down. As triglycerides go up, your chance of cardiovascular disease goes up. So they worked out if we make one the numerator, the other divisor, then um, we're going to get some – a useful marker. Right. And in fact, it's regarded as one of the best ways from looking at a regular blood panel, a regular lipid panel, it's one of the best ways to work out who should really be investigated further by having the NMR uh, particle test. Yeah. And right. this is um, this is triglycerides divided by HDL. So let's look at your values. Your triglycerides are 207 and your HDL is 53. So if we divide triglycerides by HDL, uh, you come up with a number of 3.905, and I 
bunch of other decimals. Now, that is considered to be the second best category. Hmm. The best category is under two. The next best category is under four, which you are just under. And in fact, for reference, my value is 3.3. So great. your 3.9, anything between two and four is um, you want to lower it, but it's you know it's it's not ideal, but it's a it's a it's an okay category. There's a there's two other categories that are worse. Anything between four and six is bad, and anything over six is really bad. Over six, okay, you really need to uh, you're you in trouble. To, you, you need to look into dig, dig into these people and work out why their triglycerides are so high and their HDL are so low. So, Great, yeah. So it it seems that we're uh, human. Great, <laughs> and we and, congratulations, and, and we're both on the we're, we're both on the chart. We're both on the chart, That's and it. and uh, the science is working, yes, and in our favor. Okay, let's uh, talk about eating patterns, shall we? Sure. I want to talk about Atkins first of all. Yeah, and we both went on the Atkins diet for a while. Yeah, and his starts with this induction phase, which is essentially ketogenic, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he says. Low, lower carbs to, I can't remember if it was 50 or 40 grams a day, but it was low. And uh, eat a lot of fat and uh, even considered a fat fast, yeah. which is just eating fat for a couple of days. And he really didn't put a cap on protein. No. That's, he also said that the minimum in time that you should do this is for two weeks, but you can stay on it for as long as you want. That's right. And so, and I actually did, when I did this diet, uh, back in 2004, Julie and I both did it together. She progressed to the following stages and I stayed on induction because it was working so well for me. Same here. Hmm. So you can pretty much say that Atkins was ahead of his time in recommending a ketogenic diet. Yeah. And uh, he also did say eat a lot of fat, but you know maybe a lot of people didn't, whatever. I think that most people who do Atkins, and this certainly happened to me, get to that dreaded Either the flu stage, which you feel terrible and you think, oh, it's all the fat that I'm eating. Yeah. You know, which is true. Yeah, but yeah. it's not like the fat is making you unhealthy. You're no. you're converting. Yeah. And they give up or they give up at their first plateau. Hmm. You know? And so uh, this is this has been my pattern anyway of weight gain. Yeah. Would be getting psyched up, doing essentially ketogenic Atkins, whatever. Yeah. Doing it for maybe four days. And then driving by Taco Bell and McDonald's and <laughs> uh, Wendy's yeah. and saying, you know, and after the first day that I didn't lose a pound, you know, yeah. getting discouraged and saying, well, this isn't working anymore. Maybe it doesn't work for me. Just like Nick was saying in the email. Exactly. Yeah. And say, screw it. And then once you say, screw it, you say, well, I've already eaten carbs. I might as well have ice cream and <laughs> Oreos and all that stuff. And the demon yeah. comes back out of the closet. So... So I think that's it. The most successful people that we have seen, including ourselves on the ketogenic diet, have broken through the plateau either by waiting it out, which takes longer, yeah. or by fasting, we've discovered uh, is, is a miracle yeah. for getting through a plateau. I think that particularly for very overweight people, and I suspect for guys more so than girls, at least in the, the experience of people who we've spoken to, Big guys, it works really well for. It, basically, we have a lot of body fat that is held up behind a damn wall of insulin. 
And as soon yeah. as we lower that damn wall, it all comes gushing out and we're able to burn the body fat. Uh, we're able to burn it for energy and we can just keep going until we get to almost a, a safe, health, a healthy weight range. Right. And at least that was my experience and it's the experience of, uh, of a bunch of other people, Tom, is a good example, and Tom, who's on our show, yeah, um, and uh, and you're right in that mode right now, right? Yep. So if I could, you know, tell people what to expect, the f- the first thing you should do, and Atkins was right, eat a lot of fat and have your snacks, and you know, by snacks I don't mean, you know, carby snacks. I mean cheese crisps and macadamias have your oopsie and, bread yeah. and your macadamias and your almonds and and you know eat fat and eat when you're hungry and stop eating when you're full mm-hmm. don't expect weight loss right away just eat fat 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 to yeah. get because your goal is to get to fat adaptation or you know yeah. first goal is ketosis which happens in a couple of days or a day and then the second goal is fat adaptation which happens on a sliding schedule you, as soon as you, you want to be fat adapted as soon as possible. So therefore it makes a lot of sense to not cheat. And, you know, the hardest part is that first couple of weeks, yeah. however long it takes to get fat adapted up to six, eight weeks, whatever. Yeah. A cheat could put you back three or four days. So just one day, one cheat could. So One cheat, one day can, and you're a week out again, and you're starting yeah. all over again. So it doesn't make any sense to do it then. When we say eat fat, 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 we don't mean beyond the capacity of your of your hunger. Sure. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Yeah. Basically, while you're eating fat, you're not producing insulin that's going to mess with your hunger and satiation signaling. Right. And so you can learn a little bit about how your body, learn the signals that your body is giving you about when you've eaten too much or, you know, when you're still hungry and uh, take the opportunity during that that initial phase to, to sort of pick up on these signals because um, once you become fat adapted, you're able to use the body fat from your your body, obviously, yeah. and you're well able to fuel yourself through the entire day. If you want to, not eat for half the day or even the whole day. It's a lot easier once you've had adapted. If you want to, yeah. Mm. But basically the goal isn't don't – I would say to people don't think about, you know, losing weight per se right at the beginning. Your goal is to change your body and do it as quickly as possible. So then you get to the keto flu, which was the first episode we did. We talked about the feeling, you know, like sleepy and foggy and can't remember things and maybe headaches and Hmm. just feeling like you want to sleep all day. Go ahead and sleep. You, You want to sleep it off. Get through that. Keto on, get through that. You will get it. It'll pass in a few days. Hmm. And that might be a good time for you to experiment with sweeteners. You need a blood glucose meter and you want to just simply test, test your blood, take um, a tablespoon or a teaspoon of sweetener somehow, don't anything else, put it in water and drink it. Mm. And then, I don't know, what does it take, 30 minutes or so? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it'll 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 take a thirty minutes to a, to an hour. Test yourself after thirty minutes, and test yourself again after an hour, and yeah. uh, and that'll tell you if you're having a reaction. If you're not eating anything else, you're just eating that something the sweetener in. It'll tell you whether there's something in that food that is uh, your body is uh, is uh, creating a glucose reaction to. Yeah, so the keto flu period might be the perfect time because you're down for the count anyway. You know, <laughs> pretty much. If, yeah. yeah. So, and you and you measure your blood, and then you go, you find your star sweetener that you can tolerate, and yeah. that's great. You need to do that. Yeah. Uh, I had to experiment with all of them before I landed on xylitol, for yeah. example. And for me, it's sucralose. For me, I'm yep. sucralose works really well for me. 
Um, xylitol is probably almost as good. Um, and, uh, you know, maltitol and mannitol are uh, horrible for me. Horrible for me too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you get through keto flu, you, you'll continue to lose weight and then you get to this plateau and you'll be doing everything right, just like you were before, but you won't be losing any weight and it could mm -hmm. last uh, a week if you go two or three days without losing anything or maybe even gaining, um, and you're not hungry, that's, I think, the time to do a fast. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. Now, Now, fasting's not ideal for everyone. Uh, there are some people who – I, I've got a lot of friends who are very good at keto who've lost – I've got one friend who's who lost 50% of their body weight on keto, and uh, she just can't fast. She's tried a couple of times. It just hasn't yeah. worked for her. And initially she got a little bit frustrated that, you know, we seem to be doing so well at it and right, it wasn't right. working for her. And then she just realized, hey, she's an individual. And we're all in, we all have individual variable response. And, you know, you got to find out yeah. what works for you. And there was somebody else in the forums that was talking about their, their therapist had suggested that deprivation wasn't a good thing for depression specifically. Yeah, what do we say about that? Well, that, I think that's I think that's entirely reasonable to uh, to decide. Well, look, instead of losing a pound a day, I'm quite happy losing a quarter of a pound a day. I'm not going to fast. I'm going to take things slower. I'm going to get mm -hmm. there, but I'm going to lose my weight, and I'm right. going to do it without without um, too much stress. You'll eventually get through a plateau, but it just you can't you can't give up. Yeah. You have to just wait it out. Your body is basically putting its foot down and saying, "You're losing too much weight," and you know, and and I'm I'm scared of all this fat. And yeah, we've not done that before. Exactly. So, but you get through that, and then you get to this place where where I'm at now, four months in, mm. where I found that I was losing weight slowly, eating one meal a day, which is intermittent fasting. Yeah. And by the way, I've done a three day fast once. And that really changed me. And then I did a two-day fast and another two-day fast at different points along the way. And I've settled on one meal a day. Now, that meal was dinner for a long, long time because, let's face it, dinner is the your big family. Meal. It's, yeah. it's social. You, you know, it, it's your family you, or, or whatever. You, dinner is a big deal. Mm, yeah. And I found out that switching to lunch is... Much, much better for me. I can lose weight steadily, a pound a day now, if I eat a, a keto lunch. And uh, in the evening, I drink wine. And we yeah. did a show on alcohol. Um, I, we found that Pinot Noir is like uh, red wine, which has about mm. 3.2 or 3.4 grams of carbs per serving. Yeah. And um, I have found that even when I'm fasting, even if I do a two-day fast, Richard, if I drink Pinot Noir at dinner time, and I can drink quite a bit of it, actually, <laughs> and right. I could still lose weight, and I'm yeah. still in ketosis. I don't understand it. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm more insulin sensitive now, mm -hmm. yeah. and my insulin is actually working a bit. But I also found that if I eat dinner, I, I lose weight slowly. If I eat lunch, I lose weight more quickly. I, I have a hypothesis for why dinner is more of a problem for people like you and I, and that's that we, as type 2 diabetics, we tend to have long curves of insulin after we eat. So we eat something, yeah. we get a spike of glucose, we, our pancreas starts producing inefficiently the, uh, the insulin and our body uses it inefficiently, and it lasts for four, maybe five hours afterwards. Mm. So we still have high insulin four, maybe five hours after eating something. Yeah, your uh, your dinner. Uh, you have your you're probably asleep, 
and you still have high insulin. So, right. you know, by, do, by, by eating at lunchtime, you, you give yourself plenty of opportunity to get your insulin levels low before, you know, before, you're, before you slow your met- metabolic rate to go to sleep. Yeah. And I don't have wine for six hours. I give myself six hours of time where I'm exercising, walking around, doing, you know, what I need to do. Nice. Just drinking water. Yeah. Um, and then maybe that's it. Hmm. So I have a link that I want to share. And the link is to this guy called Butter Bob. Ah, Butter Bob, yeah. Butter makes your pants fall off. Butter makes your pants fall off.com. He's a keto guy. Isn't he awesome? He's not a doctor, but like us, he does the research. Yeah. And he has this great video, and you can just read it if you don't want to watch the video, called Fasting and the 50% Insulin Problem. Only half the insulin your body makes each day is made because of the food you eat. And that is really interesting. Think about mm, that. So yeah. 50% is made from the food you eat. The other 50% of the insulin uh, is produced based on how heavy you are, how overweight you are. Yeah. And the fatter you are, the more insulin your body will naturally produce when you're not eating. Mm. And so this becomes a really hard cycle to break when you're overweight. Yeah. The more overweight you get, the more you will tend to be overweight unless you break that cycle. Well, the insulin is that dam behind which all of your body fat is trying to get out. And so, mm. you know, the higher the insulin, the, the more body fat you're going to accumulate. And w- now you've had your insulin tested and yours was what, 14? It was 14 in April and I haven't had it tested since. Yeah, I had it tested for the first time in May and mine was 20.3. Hmm. So, uh, and the units are milli international units per liter. And the normal, according to the Australian chart, is under 14. So you're right on the edge of normal. Yeah. I'm high. So, based on that, it looks like. Uh, it looks like I'm probably not going to have as good a result as you you will in, on the long you know in the long term. Yeah. So you'll probably you'll probably do better than I do, and that's one of the reasons that high level of insulin is one of the reasons why I fast. I've had three three day fasts, and I I'm now doing them one, about once a month, and I'm doing intermittent fasting as well, intentionally to uh, try and lower my basal insulin level because that's that's a fasting insulin, and I'd been fasting eighteen hours yeah. eighteen hours before I did that, so that's the insulin I produce when I'm not eating anything. So right, know. yeah. So the way to get it down yeah. is by fasting. Yes, and yes. not eating, and and the, there's science to back up everything I'm saying here, and he yeah. links to it. Butter Bob links to it. Uh, guess what? Dr. Jason Fung, again. Yeah. Fasting increases insulin sensitivity sevenfold. Wow. Here's a quote uh, fat from a study. Fasting every second day increased the insulin sensitivity approximately sevenfold, according to the homeostatic model assessment, and decreased the incidence of diabetes. That is from a study effect of intermittent fasting and refeeding on insulin action in healthy men, uh, Nils Hallberg et al., uh, and then there's some numbers. So just fasting every other day for about three weeks makes you seven times more sensitive to insulin, and it gets better. On the every other fasting day, the fasting insulin was 57% lower. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure that I could fast, completely fast, 
every other day because he he uh, Jason Fong's technique is to get people to fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays or something or yeah uh, yeah one day right. during the weekend that whip soaring it would be a little bit um, stressful more stressful for me than than most people I would think but sure. um, it's certainly interesting because intermittent fasting now that I already do um, I could integrate that in and and that's if that's going to reduce my insulin which I think it will do um, then that's awesome. Now here's the here's another really really interesting thing. 70% of the reduction in insulin during a fast happens in the first 24 hours. Ah. Interesting. So doing intermittent fasting 24 hours at a time which is eating one meal a day yeah. gives you 70% of the benefit of doing a 3-day fast. Awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's uh, yeah. I found that intermittent fasting and and extended fa- fasting, with the distinction between the two, for me, intermittent fasting is eating within a very small window during the day and not eating for the rest of the day, and that allows right. my body to go through a cycle of fasting and feasting. So yes, it, the the longer my fast period is during the day, um, the more opportunity I have for a lower level of insulin which will increase my insulin sensitivity. And what we're talking about here is getting rid of snacking. And yeah. this is something that has been very, very easy for me to do. Yeah. Uh, once I became fat adapted, I would say for, I haven't snacked for a couple of months at least. Wow. And, you know, I, I used to all the time pop nuts and whatever. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. And so here's another, here's another piece of truth from these studies. Hmm. Fatty acids increase at three hours and sharply increase about 11 hours after eating. Now, what does that tell you about dinner versus lunch? Fatty acids increase at three hours after. So three hours after eating. And sharply increase about 11 hours after eating. So after just 13 hours, ketones are greatly increased. Right, and yeah. ketones are made from your body fat and used by the body as a substitute energy source. So, so basically, you're running on, you're fueling on fat almost exclusively. Then, yeah. Mm. And 11, 11 hours after you eat at noon, let's say, sure. is uh, is eleven p.m. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm going to sleep when my ketones are highest. Yeah, that's awesome. That's outstanding. Yeah. Oh, here's another one from this same study. Insulin goes down after three hours. And then even lower, 10 hours after eating. Right. So as your ketones go up, your insulin comes down. The interesting thing for me is what are the, what's the standard dietary pattern that we're recommended to eat? We're told to eat- Three meals a day. Three, three meals a day plus snacks in between. We're actually yeah. told to eat, especially if you're diabetic, you're told to eat many small meals. You're told to eat 45 grams of glucose for each meal. Yeah. You're told to eat- no saturated fat or is, you know, under 5% of saturated fat. Yeah. Minimize fa- uh, monounsaturated fat, uh, certainly sat- minimize saturated fat. And um, if you're going to eat fat, eat a little bit of polyunsaturated seed oils. You know, it, it's a crazy diet. It really is. It's exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. Exactly, because it's going to keep your insulin up. You're having 45 grams of glucose every meal and you're having a meal every three hours. You're mm. never getting an opportunity for your insulin to come down. So it's no right. wonder that people just put on weight in that in that circumstance, especially when they're diabetic. They produce more insulin than most people, and they don't use it very well. Right. It, it just makes me angry. It really does. Yeah. So knowing this pattern, this you know the the pattern of induction, keto, flu, plateau, fasting, 
fat adaptation, once you're fat adapted, you can really start losing all of your weight. And it, it pretty much goes down like a stone, just yeah. like it happened with Richard yeah. and like it's happening with me. And then, you know, along the way, if you find yourself at Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever those for a meal, yeah, you're going to pause everything and you might gain a couple of pounds. But guess what? You're not going to turn into the cookie monster. No. At least, no. at least I can't say you. I yeah. can say me yeah. and Richard you can say him. I didn't. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. We do know people who can't yeah. we, like Brenda. Brenda Zorn said she could, there's no way no. she still has the cookie monster response, mm. but I found, and I'm glad I found it that, mm. uh, and this might be something to look forward to people yeah. as you're suffering through the keto flu. Oh, once I'm fat adapted, you know, if I feel like having a cookie or a taco or a burger with a bun or something like that, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. I think the important thing is not to let one become many. And that's the, yes. that's the critical thing, you know. Yep. And I consider if I have, if I have something with carbohydrates, I consider that to be falling off the wagon or falling, yeah. off, falling off the horse and you just got to get back up onto it, you know. But you find it's easier. When yeah. you're fat adapted, absolutely. much, much, it's, it's absolutely simple. Yeah. It's just a simple yeah. switch that you flip and you're done. Yeah. Whereas before uh, you, you have your whole body working against you. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm interested, Carl, you've been now doing this for, uh, for four months. Four months. Yeah. I'm yep. interested how your perception of the kinds of food that we eat on a ketogenic diet has changed from what you were described when you first started. Well, when I first started, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to cook all the time. There's so many things that I'm going to try and cook and, and eat to, so that I have variety so I don't get bored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I have to have snacks that are salty and crispy. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was really a glucose burner that was trying to figure out how to eat and stay on the, on the diet. And now that I'm where I am, I find that food is just like... Uh, you know, it's, it's good and I like it, but it's not the center of my world. I'm much more focused on everything else I need to focus on. And when it comes to lunchtime, hmm, I'm at Chili's, I can get some wings. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I can make sandwiches on low carb bread, BLTs and cheeseburgers or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, or I could go get a steak or something and some, and a salad and some veggies. And, uh, it's just easy. And, and I eat one meal a day. So so I'm not uh, constantly thinking about it, and I don't snack, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do right now. <laughs> That's amazing. That really is outstanding. I, I know that when I first started, I thought, oh, I can eat all the cheese and all the cream and all the bacon and fat and yeah. butter and what have you, but, you know, how do I – all those that, – that's only – for me, that was only, you know – a third of the kinds of food that I was really after. It was all these, right. you know, sugar and starches that, that I would, thought I'd be missing. But, um, you know, I've been doing it now for two years and I don't miss them. And I don't find that I eat a lot of fat. I, you know, I, I eat a little bit. Um, yeah. but I eat mostly whole foods like, um, you know, macadamia nuts. Um, I don't think of myself eating a high fat food, even though they are high fat. This is a whole food with, yeah, with yeah. um, uh, yeah, with micronutrients. And, um, you know, I might eat some Brazil nuts. I might have some, you know, bacon or, yeah. um, might have some, uh, some cheeses, but, you know, I don't eat a lot of fatty, fatty food. And a lot of people, when they, when you first describe to them what the ketogenic diet is, they think, oh, you know, it's just a, a fat feast. And it, it really isn't. Right. 
but it is at first. And I think, I think it's fair to say that, that f- before you become fat adapted, you need to eat a lot of fat yeah. and then, and then, and only then you can still eat fat mm. and it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to take you out of ketosis, but it will prolong your weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. the more fat you eat. So, so, you know, people are right. I mean, you want to get to a place where you're not eating so much fat, but not because of, you know, it's going to clog your arteries or any <laughs> stupid thing like that, because it's going to, it's going to prolong your weight loss. And I find that for me, I had to tune down and dial down the amount of fat that I ate to the point where I could still be satiated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the trick, uh, you know, it? a big BLT with some mayo on it does it for me. I can yeah. eat that in a day and maybe a little chicken salad. Yeah. Two pieces of fathead pizza will do it for me. Whereas it, for me, it yeah. used to be, you know, I'd eat, I'd eat a large and a half pizza by myself. Right. So, yeah. so I guess what we're, what we're getting at here is that there are stages of, of diets mm. to the whole keto lifestyle. Mm. And uh, getting back to Butter Bob, he says that the ideal thing, and this is exactly what I'm doing. The ideal thing is to combine intermittent fasting, 24 hour fast with keto. Yeah. Then you get the best of both worlds. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's why I'm seeing this one pound a day loss. Yeah. It's outstanding. You just transforming in front of me. It's just incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's incredible. I, I feel so happy and grateful to be able to have undergone this process in front of the world and, uh, <laughs> had the scrutiny and the analysis yeah. and the research and everything. Well, but I'm not done yet, of course, and neither are you. No, neither am I. It's kept you honest, and that's the good thing. It's kept, so much. It's kept you getting Absolutely. back up on that horse. So I think that uh, I think it's time for recipes. Recipes! Recipes! Y'all do for a little. Recipes! Recipes! I'm going to go first. And go. <laughs> I, uh, I love American food. I love the Creole cuisine from Louisiana. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, New it, Orleans is my, one of my favorite places in the world. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's said that uh, the USA has given the world three unique art forms, jazz, the comic book, and Creole food. And two of them came from New Orleans. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love it. Now, Creole, Creole cuisine is sort of like a... For, Anybody who hasn't had it, um, it's like a combination of influences from the French, the Spanish, West African, and Native American traditions, and it's basically yeah. something that is uniquely American, a melting pot of these cuisines. Absolutely. So what's your recipe? My recipe is jambalaya. And that's like a Creole version of paella, the Spanish yeah. rice dish. That's right. And that's a word I can't say, which is <laughs> <laughs> pa- paella. 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 Oh, yeah, okay. you got it. Paella. Basically, it's a starchy rice dish that's cooked with meat and a broad palette of chilies. Now, I took a recipe. I've got a recipe based on one from a Louisiana, famous Louisianian chef called Emeril Lagasse. Bam! Bam! <laughs> Spice it up a notch. Bam! Kick it up a notch. That's it. Kick it up a notch. Love Emeril. <laughs> He's awesome. So when we lived in Las Vegas, he had a restaurant, uh, Delmonica's, in uh, in Las Vegas, which we yeah. – uh, I actually went there for my 40th birthday. So Cool. Um, anyway, here's the problem. 
it's made out of rice. Jambalaya is made out of rice. And, of course, rice is starchy and we can't have rice on this diet. Right. But we've spoken before about konjac rice or konjac yeah. uh, pasta. All the konjac pastas are a little bit slimy, so they don't, they're not like starchy. They, don't, they won't use absorption method like a rice would. So you, mm. you have to cook a jambalaya or you can do a risotto with them as well uh, slightly differently. But, um, and konjac is a vegetable? Yeah, konjac's like a yam, and it's uh, it's made from a starch that's indigestible to humans, um, hmm. and it is actually digestible to some of our bacteria. So if you're lucky enough to have the kind of bacteria that can digest this, uh, it's glucomannan is the starch inside it. Right. Uh, and what it will do is it will uh, – this bacteria will convert it into fat, um, so into a, a butyric acid, which is a kind of short-chain fatty acid. Okay. It's, re- it's a really good energy source for the wall of your gut, and it's very protective against bowel cancer. So oh. um, so these this bacteria will convert glucomannan into methane and butyric acid. Uh, so it's kind of- uh, So you're going to have the winds. It'll, 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 it'll cure cancer and give you wind. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's why they call it the miracle miracle pasta. So, and is this the same stuff that shirataki is based on? That's exactly. Exactly right. No, it's the oh, same it stuff. So yeah, it's, it's an Asian, it's an Asian yam that then it's, it's the one with the funky smell, the fishy yeah. sort of smell. You need to wash it multiple times. We did a, you did a recipe, a Thai recipe. Yeah, pad Thai. Yeah, you have to wash it several times and nuke it and wash it and nuke it and wash it. Yeah. So anyway, to make this recipe, you basically start off with a with a mirepoix. In fact, it's actually called the Holy Trinity in uh, Louisianian mm. cooking, but in French would call it a mirepoix. The Italians will call it a soffritto. It's basically onions, uh, caramelized onions celery and carrots and the, the holy trinity they replace carrots with capsicum which is awesome because capsicum has a lot less uh, sugars in it than carrots and has it's full of vitamin c so capsicum is an awesome to, thing to eat i don't know what capsicum is oh bell pepper oh okay capsicum is australian for bell pepper um so i think maybe european as well i don't know anyway okay so so this recipe, I've got it up on my blog, but basically you chop your bell peppers up into small pieces and you basically you're going to fry them up in a pot, chop up some uh, some chicken thigh meat and some andouille sausages. Although we use chorizos, which are a similar kind of sausage as a Spanish sausage. You can get both chorizo and andouille in your grocery store. Awesome. I, we don't get andouille a lot in Australia, unfortunately, so hmm. we use chorizo. Okay, so the recipe is up on my website, but basically we're going to cook uh, all of our meats down, uh, chicken thigh, we're going to ch- cook the sausage, and we're going to cook prawns, and we're going to add those to the sofrito or the, the holy trinity, mm-hmm. and then we're going to throw the um, uh, some tomatoes in uh, and the konjac rice at the end. So normally with the jambalaya meal, you're, you're making a very watery stock, with all of these things in it, you throw the rice in and then you leave it for like an hour. And, right. and you, you know, you, same with risotto. Exactly. It's exactly like a risotto kind of meal. Because konjac is pretty much cooked the minute you put it in, what we're doing is we're creating a sauce, we're creating a, a, a rich sauce with the authentic flavors, and then we just chuck the rice in at the end. But the end result is very unctuous. It's almost like it, it tastes just like a jambalaya. Wow. The texture is very close to it. It's delicious. So anyway, the, the full wow, recipe. Wow, and only three grams of net carbs. That's right. So um, the recipe is on my website, and uh, I will link to it from the show notes. 
That looks great, Richard. I can't wait to do it. I'm going to make this for lunch. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I can't, can't this week, but maybe next week. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. So, Carl, what, uh, what recipe did you bring for us today? Well, this isn't my recipe. Uh, it's deep fried cheese and it comes from Caveman Keto, cavemanketo.com. Awesome. Great guy. Yeah. I love these videos. Uh, it's very simple. You get some uh, cheese and you fry it. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> the kind of cheese is really important. It's a Mexican cheese simply called queso de frere, which means cheese for frying. Right. And uh, it's this way because it's very hard hmm. and um, it melts just at the right point when you fry it. Yeah. And you basically cut it up and deep fry it and enjoy. And, and what I liked about this video is you can see the brown crispies. Nice. On the outside, like it turns into a, almost like a breading. Mm. It, it's crunchy, crispy, and brown on the outside. So it's almost like that, like the way starch goes when you fry it, it becomes crispy, yeah. like the crispy ends of the of the French fries. Exactly. So for those those of us who miss miss that sort of fried starchy crispy, yeah. that provides that. That's awesome. Plus, it's I, I know cheese. That, it's cheese. I know. How good is that? Come I know on. you can get. We used to when we were in America. We used from Sam's Club. We used to get queso blanco, which is a similar kind of cheese as well. Yeah. And it specifically is a frying cheese. Um, and if you, I know that in Australia we can't get the Mexican frying cheese, but we can get halloumi, which is a Greek or Cypriot frying cheese. Right. And we also get saganaki cheese, which is another kind of uh, friable cheese. So, yeah, they're awesome. So you just need something hard and, and, and without a lot of moisture in it. Right. And uh, you, I just sent you a link to the pictures of the cheese when it comes out of the fryer. If that doesn't look like a golden brown crispy oh. <laughs> cheese stick, I don't know what does. Oh, it doesn't uh, I would have I would have eaten this even if I wasn't on a diet. Yeah. Um, it, it turns out, and I've done it, turns out it's exactly what you think, exactly what I'm saying. It's a crispy fried cheese. Deep fried that's cheese. That's gooey in the middle and oh, crispy delicious. on the outside. Nice. Nom, 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 <laughs> nom, nom. nom. <laughs> okay. Well, that's awesome, Carl. I'm going to have to try, I'm gonna have to fry <laughs> up yeah. some cheese, I think. Okay, <laughs> man, Keto, he's my man. Yeah. Uh, that's the show, Richard. Yeah, that was good. I like this show because we sort of did a recap of what we've learned since we started the show. And uh, I'm, I'm really hoping these patterns work for you as well as they did for us. We're seeing just a huge number of people on yeah. our Facebook group that are following this pattern uh, and getting to uh, fat adaptation and busting through plateaus, and yeah. uh, and it's really, really working. And if you're just starting, go back to the first show that we did, the Keto Flu show. That's had, has a lot of information about what, what to expect when you first start doing a keto diet. And right. you can actually progress. That was really – that was Carl's third week, I think. Of, yeah, I think of so. doing keto, so you'll you'll actually hear that you'll hear the guy about 60, 60 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and 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 just ex he'll he'll be experiencing all of these keto things for the first time. So yeah. Um, so I suggest if you're just starting, um, go back to the first show. We're very nervous Follow and along with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are a bit. And of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute what we've said, please send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. We have comments on the website, twoketodudes.com. And of course, join our Facebook group, which is at fb.twoketo.com. 
That's it, buddy. Thanks. That's awesome. See you next week. Keep calm and keto on. Keto on.